Hey everybody, welcome back to the Football A to Z podcast with your host, Zandrick Allison. And if we're known for anything around here, it's a few things. It's poor production quality and poor hosting skills, but also the fact that we're able to dig in a little deeper um, on a few subjects than first take might or skip Bayless might. And so we want to do the same thing again today, interview a few super fans, knowledgeable fans on NFL Reddit and try to gauge the reaction from fan bases about a few key issues. And for me, after week two, the thing that I really wanted to talk about was the QB position. Obviously a glamorous position, but and also a difficult one for franchises to navigate. Whether you make a quarterback change or not, when do you make that quarterback change? Do you need to at all this season? We've already seen one so far with the Buffalo Bills where Josh Allen leapfrogged over Nathan Peterman's corpse. And there's two more that I thought might be coming soon for very different reasons. One, in a Buffalo Bills-style fashion, is the Arizona Cardinals, who have been struggling mightily to start the season. So the question is, when do you break out your first-round pick, Josh Rosen? So in the second half of our podcast, we're going to be talking about that, seeing when's the appropriate time to do it. And in the first half of our podcast, it's a completely different situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been so good and so hot that you debate whether you go back to Jameis Winston when he comes off his suspension in week four. So we're going to talk about that in the first half of our podcast. Five-second break right into the Arizona Cardinals. So stick with us, you desperate souls. All right, everybody. I think I'm like people on Reddit where you don't really notice people's usernames, um, just the way the formatting is, unless they're particularly crazy or racist or they send you death threats. And then on the rare occasion, you notice the name because the person's consistently contributing good insight and good content. And that absolutely describes our first guest, the fencing coach, Tampa Bay Superfan. How are you doing, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And you were just saying before we started that you're in a hurricane warning right now? Yeah, it's tornado warning. So, um, it, you know, I actually, I was at work today and they had us go to the concrete shelter that they had there at one point. So I had to, you know, stop what I was doing. And then at the end of the day, they were like, you shouldn't go home. It's a tornado warning. And I was like, yeah, I kind of want to go home and play Spider-Man. And so, um, you know, I risked death, but it, it was worth it to get home and play Spider-Man before my well, power I went think, out. I think I'm going to add some sound effects of like people screaming and, you know, cows flying by just to make it more dramatic. Well, that's actually happening outside. Uh, and, and luckily I have my my 15 pound dog next to me or she'd be kind of soaring in the wind, too. Um, well, you know, it could be the sign of an apocalypse because the reason you're here is your Tampa team blew the roof off to an O start. Fitz magic. Yep. The stats. Fitz magic. I'm, re- I'm reading the stats. It's almost hard to believe. 79 completion percentage, 151 QB rating. Um, how shocked are you about this hot start? Simply, uh, I'm shocked, man. I, I don't know if you read my my off season review post for the Bucks, but I had us pegged at five and eleven. I had us going zero and three during the uh, Jameis suspension and the way that Fitzpatrick has come in beat a playoff team and the saints in the first week, and then just 
you know, did his thing against the, the Eagles in week two, Super Bowl champs, it's been awesome. It's been, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It's been awesome. And if you look at our Buccaneers right now, the, the memes are going out of, out of control in a good way. Like people are fired up right now. So we're, we're really excited. It's, it's a really good time to be a fan. Uh, and we don't really say that often because our franchise is kind of, you know, miserable in its uh, history and things have been awesome so far. Well, and I, I was kind of like you, I was actually a little more optimistic. I like the team on paper. I liked your targeted offseason acquisitions in terms of addressing the defensive line, which was a big problem for a long time. But like you said, it was just I couldn't get on board with predicting a great season just because of that early stretch of Jameis' suspension at New Orleans versus Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh. I mean, almost everyone was penciling him in for 0-3. So it, it is pretty stunning. It, it's stunning. And it it's the, the way that he has carried himself to – taking over the reins while Jameis is suspended. Like, you know, somebody posted after after the game yesterday the picture of him wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothes coming out in the press conference like that. And I had to be like, because, you know, we have like a, a rule that says you can't post anything an hour after the game. And I had to be like, this is the most glorious thing I've ever seen. I'm going to be a power-hungry mob that doesn't follow the rules and allow this. Because it, it was – I mean, you saw it. It was – name me something – more beautiful in the world than that. Well, Mike Lennon is, but, but th- that's a whole other story, but look at, look, look at that man in the press conference. It's just, it's fun. And well, yeah, I mean, it is like for the first time, maybe since the Super Bowl, that Tampa has been the talk of the NFL and everyone is on board with Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's just a fun guy to root for is like the 35 year old veteran having his moment in the spotlight and kind of, you know, walking the walk and sauntering around. And it's great. Yeah, it's great. And, and, you know, I'm enjoying it, but we all know how the cycle of Fitz magic works, right? You know, I don't know if you've seen that, that meme, but he comes in when the starter gets hurt because he cursed them. He plays well, plays really well. Usually he gets paid. And then all of a sudden it's just like turns into a pumpkin and he's back to normal. So history says that that will probably repeat at some point, but the difference between us and the bills and the Jets is we actually have a plan B at quarterback with with Jameis when he comes back. So if Fitzpatrick does revert to, you know, being a uh, immortal, then I think I think we'll be good to go. Well, I thought the most interesting thing you just said there was Jameis Winston is plan B. Is that how you guys are viewing this now? Is that we're going to ride this Fitzpatrick thing out? until the wheels fall off or until he becomes a pumpkin and then turn back to Jameis? Or is it a guarantee that Jameis will eventually be starting? So I, I don't know how everybody else feels, but right now, because I'm very qualified to opine on this subject as a fencing coach, um, what I would do, it, you know, Cutter, it, Dirk Cutter is, is playing for his job this year. And, and maybe Jason Light is as well. And right now we're up, 2-0, first time we've been 2-0 since 2010. And if we have a winning formula with Ryan Fitzpatrick and he's getting us these spectacular wins, why would you change a winning formula? And so I, I'm of the opinion personally that we ride this Fitzpatrick train as long as we can 
until he turns into a pumpkin. If it happens to be the entire season, so be it, because we have the luxury that Jameis is under contract until 2020. Um, you know, we have his fifth year option next year. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the last year of his deal. So we could easily ride Fitzpatrick for a whole year when Jameis is in his contract year, you know, kind of a, a make or break deal to see if he's really the quarterback of our future. And we either, you know, pay him in 2021 or let him walk and probably go into rebuild mode. But that is a drastic overreaction after two weeks of football. Well, it's the great thing about being an NFL franchise where Jameis will be upset. The number one pick, the golden boy, he's not going to be happy to sit on the bench potentially. But the way the NFL works, as you said, is there's not a lot you can do about it. You know, even if you wanted to franchise him, they could down the road. Um, But what, what does your gut say? You, You know, Fitzpatrick has a history. I think a lot of, unexpected starters come in and do well for a brief time until the league kind of figures them out or adjusts to them. I mean, do you consider this more the team being just loaded with offensive playmakers and some hot play calling, or do you think there's a tangible um, improvement um, from Fitzpatrick to the way Jameis was playing the last few years? Uh, I I think it's a, a combination of a couple things, right? So, we do have an insane number of, of weapons on offense right now. Uh, and, and you look even just beyond uh, Mike, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, but our third-round pick last year, Chris Godwin's off to a really hot start. O.J. Howard uh, just kind of had his breakout game with the Eagles. It was, it was amazing to watch. Um, but then the other big adjustment we made this year is Todd Monken, our, our offensive coordinator, you know, he was just making the playbook last year. Dirk was calling the plays, and it was it, it was really bad. Like, I, I don't know how many of our games he watched last year, but our offense was so predictable. It would be like, first down, run up the gut every time. Um, and, you know, every play in shotgun was a pass play. There were very few handoffs from shotgun. Um, anytime Charles Sims, one of our running backs, was on the field, you knew it was going to be a pass play. It it was so predictable that defenses were probably just looking at us and saying, okay, this is what they're going to do now. And so Munkin's play calling has gotten a lot more aggressive. You know, our first play of the game yesterday was a deep ball to Deshaun Jackson that went 75 yards for a touchdown. So I think it's a combination of the weapons that we have now. Um, The addition of Ryan Jensen, our offensive line is looking like it's showing some really good uh, early returns. Uh, the play calling of Munkin, and then also just uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is is actually using Deshaun Jackson like like we should. Well, and I think in the all the hype about Fitzpatrick, I, I think Munkin, offensive coordinator, is really the underreported story. Like you said, started calling the plays. Yeah, and I think NFL fans probably don't really know who he is. Um, he's a guy who spent a little time in the NFL, but mostly a college coach who had a successful turnaround as the head coach at Southern Miss. And that's the kind of parlay. You could usually parlay that into a a well-paying job in college at a bigger program. And he went instead to be the offensive coordinator in name only with his buddy, Dirk Cutter, and now has taken over. So I'm really interested to see if this guy is maybe the secret sauce, like the Sean McVay, where it's just the aggressive play calling, taking shots, keeping defenses off balance. Is Monken somebody that people are giving enough credit to, or do you think it's still um, wait to see if maybe the magic wears off his play calling because they might adjust as well? 
I, I think time will tell, but but two weeks in, the the difference in our offense has been noticeable. It, it was just so anemic and predictable last year. Given the weapons that we had, there was there was no excuse to play like we did. And two games in, all of a sudden, we have the leading wide receiver in the NFL, the leading you know quarterback in terms of uh, passing yardage, passer rating as well. And those were not those. Uh, Numbers were not against slouch defenses. We're talking the Saints, who have been pretty good recently. They were good last year on defense, and then the Eagles as well. And so, uh, you know, let's revisit this you know, five weeks, six weeks down the road, see what if, if this is sustainable. But Munkin is, I think, the biggest uh, biggest variable in what's changed us to an explosive offense. Yeah, and he's a guy who you would figure if this keeps up for the year he has to be on the top of coaching lists because he has had coaching experience in college would have had a great season. Obviously um, it'll be interesting to see if he becomes like the hot play caller or not. I mean, obviously things could, could turn around two weeks. We're, we're jumping to conclusions, but that's kind of the fun part of, of this kind of start. Um, oh yeah. We're going to go 16 and O's, Andrew. You can, <laughs> you can quote me on that. I hope we're so. going to never lose another football game. I'm going to highlight that on the podcast, and and then if it's wrong, we'll cut it out. Um, the one concern <laughs> I think I would highlight that I noticed, Ryan Jensen, you mentioned the kind of fiery center who's always in a brawl and opening up some holes. The running game has been a problem, hasn't really gotten on track yet. I noticed 2.7 yards per carry. Yeah. Ooh. Um, do you think Do you think that's going to turn around, or is that something that you think is a troubling trend that is here to stay? Uh, I, I think we, we will get better than 2.9 yards per carry, but we don't really have a reliable feature back uh, on our roster right now. And um, we have a lot of fans of Peyton Barber. He's, he's a great success story. Uh, he plays like an animal. The guy just runs hard every, every down. But, you know, we invested a second-round pick in uh, Ronald Jones, uh, who, who I was not – a big fan of that, that pick when it happened. And uh, he had a, a, a melon of a preseason it has not been active the last two games. So I don't, I think the running game could possibly continue to be an Achilles heel. Um, and Dirk does favor a run first, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, run first offense, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where, we'll see where it goes, but our passing game is making up for it more than enough. Right. And, and I think it's a fallacy that you necessarily need to have a great running game, but it's, it doesn't hurt, obviously, to keep defenses honest. Um, and so this week against Pittsburgh is another big game. I mean, for a team that was penciled in at 0-3, you now have Pittsburgh at home. Yep. I think you guys are a three-point underdog, but I, I'd say it's a 50-50 game. Um, what do you think the chances are? Um, I actually really like our chances. Defensively, Pittsburgh has not been doing great this year. Patrick Mahomes, who, who is probably – you could argue that he's playing the best quarterback in the NFL right now, him or Fitzpatrick, but he just shredded them for six touchdowns. And that gives me a lot of hope going into this game next week about our weapons and what Fitzpatrick will be able to do against them. Now, granted, the difference between us and the Chiefs is the Chiefs actually have uh, a pass rush, and, and we don't. I mean, our, our pass rush has still been pretty anemic in the, in the first two weeks. Um, my, my big concern is, is stopping somebody like Antonio Brown. I know he's got that cap injury, but 
we just don't have the pass rush to get to Ben to harass him. And I worry about our ability to stop targets like Antonio Brown and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think, I think we're going to be looking at a shootout. Well, and the pass rush, I think, has been your real Achilles heel in the last few years. I think Jameis and Dirk Cutter maybe got too much blame. Um, dead last in the league in sacks last year. That's got to improve. I mean, to, to actually make noise, let's say Fitzpatrick has a miracle Kurt Warner season, it's hard to win in the playoffs if you can't rush the passer. Do you oh, think yeah. – is there solutions on the horizon? You added some vets this offseason, but you don't think it's been effective. Uh, I think I think the – so there's two things to consider here. Uh, our first-round pick, uh, Vita Villa, has been, been injured. He, he strained his calf in the first week of training camp. Hasn't been activated yet. Uh, he, he needs to get down his playing weight, supposedly, but he's getting there. I think when he gets back, it will open up some opportunities for us in the pass rush. Uh, free up some of our, our rushers as well. Um, the other variable here, though, is is Mike Smith, our, our defensive coordinator. Um, he just has not gotten the job done since uh, Dirk Cutter took over as head coach, and so that's a big concern of mine as well. We're, you know, we have the personnel now, and guys like Vinnie Curry and Jason Pierre-Paul, but we're we're still calling a lot of four-man rushes. We're right. we're not. Um, doing any kind of your your quote-unquote exotic blitzes and you know if you look at at uh, Drew Brees who you know obviously future Hall of Famer pretty damn good player and and Nick Foles but they've you know given up a good I mean they've gone over 700 yards passing for us in the first two weeks so our defense right now is still going to be our Achilles heel and and a lot of that has to do with our injuries but Mike Smith's play calling uh, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Yeah, my my longstanding joke with him is Baskin Robbins named their vanilla flavor after Mike Smith's play calling. Um, Accurate. One of the most vanilla guys in the league. And so I think that that makes the quarterback decision all the more important because, like you said, the running game hasn't really gotten totally on track yet. The pass rushers haven't really brought this defense to the new level. So to make the playoffs, you're going to have to have great quarterback play, and the pieces are around you. So – Going forward, you think it's a 50-50 game against, I do at least, against Pittsburgh. I think you're kind of in the same boat, maybe even higher. If things go badly, let's say it's a yeah. close loss, let's say it's a bad loss, do you think Winston immediately jumps back in for week four? I don't, I don't know if it's immediate, but uh, I think he will certainly have a stronger case at hand. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion, as, as much as I personally don't like Jameis Winston. I'm a, I'm of the opinion that Ryan Fitzpatrick should be on a short leash. He's not our future. Um, he's he's on another one year deal with us. He's 37 years old, and so he should be on a short leash at this point. And as excited as I am about the start, if he starts to play a couple games that are, you know, face palmingly bad, then you have to turn to Jameis. He he's probably uh, our, still our future at this point. Who knows? Um, <laughs> well, I hope but... so. Um, I Well, because, you know, it's interesting. Jameis, like I said, I think he got too much flack for, for losing. And when you don't have a pass rush, it's hard to win. Yeah. Um, and I was just looking at the stats. Jameis has been slowly improving, I guess you would say. His completion percentage went up from 58% to 60% to 63% yeah. last year. So there, he was inching towards progress i think he might have had a breakout season this year with all those weapons we just 
didn't get to see it yet. So I wouldn't rule him out, but it'll be interesting the next two games. You have two games and then the bye. I think that's going to be major for Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I think it'll be be major for him for him too. And um, you know, they, they can always use the excuse that they want to wait until after the bye to, to ease Jameis back in. They have that as a backdoor if they, uh, you, you know, if they if they want to use that as an excuse. I I am going to venture to guess that by the end of the season, Jameis Winston will be starting again. I don't think it's going to be in Week Four when he returns, um, but I would count on him starting by the end of the year. So that's well. That's one of the things I wanted to pinpoint on you. So not week three, four. Obviously not week three, not week four when he comes back. The buys week five. You don't think it'll be by week six? You think it'll be later in the season? Yeah, I I, I do, and but but we'll see because if Fitzpatrick continues to put up the numbers that he has and play like he has, then why you know we're 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 a team that hasn't made the playoffs in in ten years. Two thousand seven was the last time we made the playoffs. And if you have this guy that's playing out of his mind and is taking us towards the playoffs, not only doing that, but saving Dirk Cutter's job, no reason to change that, right? I, I, I think you just write it as long as you can. When he turns to Fitz tragedy again, that's where you give Jameis the reins. And I think Jameis would, in this offense, I would love to be a quarterback coach, uh, for Tampa right now. I wanted to ask you this question, too. This is a hypothetical, unrealistic. Yeah say some quarterback needy team that wants a quarterback of the future. Let's say it's the giants. They're sick of Eli. They come to you and say, you guys aren't sold on Jameis anymore. He doesn't like the fact that he's being benched by the fencing yep. coach. Um, <laughs> we're going to offer you a, f- uh, the giants are going to be a high first round pick, but let's say they have a mid to late first round pick. Would you take it? Mid first round pick for Jameis. Yeah. Ah, I don't think so. I think it would cost a little bit more than that. Um, but then again, you know, who, who knows? It's, it's, uh, I just, I just don't know. I, th- I think it would be, have to be higher than a mid first round pick. Um, well, and, and it's a silly hypothetical because you're not trading the 24 year old quarterback to rely on Fitzpatrick, but right. I just wanted to see what your confidence level was that Jameis, you think Jameis is going to be starting by the end of the year. What are your chances of Jameis starting in 2022? He is the franchise guy for the future. Or do you think the franchise has soured on him? I, I think there are some signs that show the franchise has soured on him. You, if you look at all of our marketing materials this year, you will not see Jameis Winston on any of them. Like any of our local commercials, if you go to the banners that hang around Raymond James Stadium, uh, he's not on them. I think he's really disappointed a lot of fans after this whole uber incident given yeah he lost you know, his sponsorship of... with uber probably if that was in the works yeah that's that's dead he's actually banned from uber but he, he lost his sponsorship with nike his agents left him you know i i was a big fan of the guy and i i had a website named after him and and i took that down i just uh there, there's some lines that, that that i draw as a as a fan and what i'm willing to root for and, I, and one once i I'm convinced you've done something like sexual assault, murder, you, you know, you murder uh, dogs or what have you. There's certain lines that I draw where I'm like, all right, I don't want to root for you as a fan anymore. Um, and I think that the franchise is kind of, they, they kind of put him on thin ice at this point. And even the league has it. He's, he's one more suspension away from facing a lifetime ban from the NFL. That was one of the conditions of his, uh, 
his suspension in the, in the plea bargain that he took with the NFL. Um, and it's interesting that he, you know, him and Marcus Mariota were the golden boy top picks and they're kind of in a similar boat now where, you know, there was mild improvement. I mean, not necessarily in Mariota's case, but now growing doubts about them as the franchise. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't think Jameis could survive a bad season necessarily do you if he came back and just let's say Fitzpatrick gets hurt Jameis comes in and struggles yeah. do you think they'll they'll trot him back out for 2019 uh for 2020 you mean yeah well next year let's say he he comes back in and struggles yeah and for whatever reason or maybe not I mean if Dirk Cutter the clean house let's say this 2-0 and start goes 6-10 and and yeah. Jameis is starting half the year do you think they'll bring him back or clean house totally? Uh, I think it depends on what ends up happening to, to Cutter and Jason Light, right? If if they're back next year, I would venture a guess that Jameis Winston will be back as well. Their their success and their job security is tied to him. And so I could see them bringing him back, you know, if, if they stay on board. If those two are fired, you know, a new GM is going to want to come in and probably make his mark on, on the team. And, and uh, it, it starts with the quarterback, and, the, and, the, and that's the leader of the team. So if Dirk and, and, and uh, Jason Light stick around, Jameis will be there too. If they're gone, I could see Jameis, uh, you know, being shipped off elsewhere by a new GM as well. Uh, and I, I didn't mean to go negative because we started, you guys were talking about 16-0, and 0, two, at least 2-0. and 0. I think 6-10 and 10 is just, you know – I just the the make or break year I think was obvious this year and so far it's been yeah. good and so hopefully that continues. Um, and the last thing I wanted to ask you about Mike Glennon. Everyone on your subreddit told me to ask you about Mike Glennon. What, what's going on there? Well, Zandrick, that's uh, a very personal personal question. I haven't asked you about your religion or anything, but you know there there's uh, Judaism out there, Christianity. Um, Islam, Scientology, and and then there's there's Mike Lennon, you know, and so it's uh, it's it's a very strong spiritual bond uh, that was developed when we drafted him in the third round back in 2013, and he's just a majestic beast, you know. Look at him. Can, can you name me a better looking person, male or female, in the history of the world? Let me answer that for you. You can't. You can't, and so um, he looks. You know what he reminds me of, Mike Glennon. He reminds me of like a nerdy seventh grader who found like the machine from Big, and he's like, "I want to be seven feet tall." And he grew and grew, but he still retained the sort of goofiness of the seventh grader because he still doesn't look. The, he looks the part physically, but in terms of the face and the confidence level, he, he not not somebody you necessarily would cast in a Hollywood movie. No, I, you know, I think whenever they move on from Daniel Craig as James Bond, I think he would be a logical replacement for that. If they ever make a, a you know, remake of Charlie's Angels, I think he could probably be slotted into one of those roles as well. Um, as one of the Pharaoh roles, like one of the angels. Yeah, one of the angels. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I could easily, since uh, Carrie Fisher, rest in peace, uh, passed away, I think he could also be a front runner to play princess Leia in star Wars episode nine. You heard it here first. Well, he might be available. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the Cardinals next and most people don't even remember that. I think he's there. 
I haven't really heard his name much except, uh, I guess, on your altar. Um, but until that happens, we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll keep an eye on Fitzpatrick and Jameis. So official prediction, Jameis maybe towards the end of the year if things start to peter out. But so far, enjoy the run, man. This is this is exciting times. Yeah, man. It's been been awesome. Um, another big matchup this week with Pittsburgh, another playoff team. We'll see where it goes. But if Pat Mahomes' uh, performance against him is any indication, uh, we could be in for another fun game. Awesome. I, I think I- – I'm more of a Fitzpatrick believer than not just based on the offense, based on the playmaking. It's for real. I mean, the passing offense is for real. We'll see about which quarterback will benefit from that, but best of luck going forward. Thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Take care. Gladly do it again. You too. So we just talked about the pleasant surprise of the NFL, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so we have to turn the coin and talk about one of the unpleasant surprises of the NFL with my friend, Jake. How are you doing, Jake? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> Things are As pretty a resident, resident Arizona Cardinals fan. And, and that's a title that you're still owning. You haven't changed teams yet. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a Cardinals fan for the rest of my life. Unfortunately. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that, you know, how that goes, you know, you always look when you're a fan of a team who's really bad, you always, you always look at the other teams and you're like, man, I really wish I could, I could be like them right now, but uh, I'm with the Cardinals forever. That's good. Well, you know, and it hasn't been all bad, you know, the last, the last two years of Bruce Arians were, you guys were sort of mediocre. And so coming into this year, I didn't really know what to expect. New coach with Steve Wilkes. Well, what did you expect? Did you expect to be mediocre or, or worse than that? I expected, to be decent, at least, I thought that there was a slim chance we could make like the sixth seed in the playoffs because the NFC West was so – it felt so open, right? Except for the Rams. You know, the Rams had it kind of locked down. But everything else, you know, the 49ers are kind of an unknown. Right. And the Seahawks are getting, you know, pulled apart every which way. So I thought, you know well, – what's that? No, I was going to say that – so that, that's a little optimistic. It's sort of like – when I say the unpleasant surprise, it's like a, so you're like the kid on Christmas who runs down and finds that like Santa just shit on the rug. Like, yeah. this is oh my God. you had high hopes and then you get poop. Absolutely. And I was, I was actually kind of an exception there because most people on the Cardinals subreddit or pretty much on, you know, the internet community as a whole for the NFL, I was considered an optimist for the Cardinals. You know, I really thought things would be better this year. I, I do think that's a – you sounded a little optimistic. I penciled you guys in for seven and nine maybe, and, and that was more just – there's talent. There's talented pieces. It's just a matter of how it all comes together, and it hasn't come together yet. Yeah. Um, last year I felt like um, it, the talent was not there last year because it got you know destroyed by injuries. But right. the coaching boosted it up to an eight and eight record. This year, things are, have flipped where the talent is definitely there, but the, the coaching and the play calling are holding it back so much right now. Well, and it's worse than anyone expected. Six and 24 against 24 against the Redskins week one. Week two, you lay another egg against the Rams, 34 to nothing. And when you say you're blaming the coaching, is that the primary thing that Cards fans are worried about, or is it just everything? Well, there's been quite the debate right now between – <laughs> what is worse, the offense or the defense? Um, and, and and that's shocking because I would have penciled you guys in for having a good defense, but 
Right now, you guys are giving up 9.8 yards per attempt in the pass game, which is getting lit up. I mean, why is that? I, I haven't watched every snap. I, I wouldn't know why Arizona would go from a pretty good defense to bad. Well, we had a scheme change this year. We went from um, – I can't, oh, God, I can't remember which. We went from either 4-3 to 3-4 or the other way around. Right. Um, you guys were 3-4 under James Batcher, and this year you guys – Steve Wilkes is more of that Carolina traditional 4-3. Yeah, exactly. And our, our, our linebackers are not built for, for that scheme yet. You know, we got Hassan Reddick, who has, like, barely seen the, uh, the field at all. Um, we got Dion Buchanan. These guys just aren't, like – big enough to uh to support that scheme and and carolina steve wilkes is coming from carolina where they have amazing linebackers like luke keighley it's really built on the linebackers and ron rivera had that in chicago with brian erlacher and lance briggs so you're saying without the linebackers you just can't control any part of the field yeah our linebacker like our weakest part of our defense is you know cornerback two that's always been a black hole for us for forever and i think it always will be and uh, our defensive line right now is really struggling. And to the coaching staff, I remember it was interesting. I kind of like Steve Wilkes, the coach in the interview circuit. And our Carolina fan, Blind Willie Johnson, kind of said something that jumped out at me. He, you know, Steve Wilkes had this reputation for blitzing well in Carolina. But he was saying it kind of opened up holes in the secondary and lanes and their pass defense actually suffered. And he was negative on the hire. Didn't think it would work for Arizona. Is that something you guys have noticed? Are you guys over blitzing? Or are you leaving holes open? Or is it just sort of just a scheme change in general hasn't worked? I think it's a scheme change because Bruce Arians also had the philosophy of blitz every single time. And, um, and that worked way better than it's working this season. Yeah, well, I think it'll get better. You know, it's like being a gay teen in the 90s. Things will get better there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. offensively, that's the real focus. We just talked about Tampa Bay, who's playing excellent offensive all. Sam Bradford, his stats are almost hard to believe. I had to, like, double-check. 243 yards in over two games, 55 yeah. quarterback rating. I mean, do you think to primarily, for as long as we're sh- placing blame, is it – Mostly Bradford? Is it this offensive line? How, how do you think it's been so far? Well, I would have to say that it is, the offensive line has actually looked uh, better than expected. Um, okay. We did have uses to it. We got Justin Pugh in the offseason. Um, I think we got a few more people back from injuries, although we did lose our center. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. You guys only get up three sacks. So it hasn't been, I mean, in terms of that, it hasn't been bad. Yeah, like if it was last year, you know, we had Carson Palmer, we'd already be up to like, you know, 10 sacks in two games. Right. But so it's, it, the offensive line has looked better. It's, it's, it's Mike McCoy. It's honestly just such vanilla play calling. It's, it's unbearable to watch. And it's, it, it's really said it because I think, I think Sam Bradford is better than he's letting on. Well, or, he certainly looked good under Pat Shermer. I mean, he was up around 70% completion. And Mike McCoy, it's, it's so funny, the fall from grace, because this is a guy who was considered one of the best coordinators in the league as recently as when he was hired by Denver last year and got fired in his first year in the middle of the year, which is so rare. And it, I'm wondering if it's going to happen again. Is there already I, a hot seat on him? I hope it happens. It's, I really do. I, I'm never really a big fan for coaches getting fired, you know, in the midseason or even after one year. But I really think, like, I, I said I said on Reddit, I don't think Mike McCoy deserves a third game, honestly. 
Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, is there is there anyone on the bench that you could promote that? I mean, your quarterback coach, I think, is Byron Leftwich. Do you think he's up for the task? And he's never coordinated before either. I think I think he could. I honestly think he could do that. Because um, honestly, I think anything is better than McCoy right now. Wow, that that's damning. If after if you can't make it past the first two weeks of the season, your career might be in jeopardy. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because he ha- did have a good reputation for so long, and bombed out two years in a row. But you know, the question now is, what do you do now? I mean, you say Bradford's not the problem, so I'm guessing you're not a fan well, who's advocating a switch yet. I mean, Bradford's not the problem, but he's certainly not helping anything. He's not the solution. Yeah, he's definitely not. And we have the solution on the on the bench or the the hopeful solution. You know, Rosen sitting back there. And the conversation right now is when do we put Rosen in? Yeah, and that, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I think that's a really interesting debate, and it's one that Buffalo had last week. Um, and then same with Buffalo. Rosen has a lot of talent. Do you want him out there now, or would that be dehabilitating towards his development to play for a team that hasn't really figured it out yet? The, the most, yeah, the, I'm, I'm scared the most for Rosen putting him out this season is that, like, it's, it's, it comes back to McCoy. I don't know what's going to happen in this offense with Rosen if he, if he gets, you know, if he learns all this terrible stuff from McCoy. The, but, you know, we can't have Bradford out there for much longer. It's, it just can't well, happen. Well, if you're talking about a coordinator change, it, it would be especially dangerous to throw out Rosen now if you're saying McCoy could get fired in two weeks, three weeks, and then he's going to get yeah. a second coordinator, most likely maybe a third coordinator coming in next year. That's tough for a young right. quarterback to have that sort of turnover. Well, here's the sad thing. I don't think McCoy is actually going to get fired for probably – I think he's probably going to stick around for, for maybe this season and maybe the next season, honestly. I think. I mean, I, I think that's a safe bet. I think. I, I I think this year is safe. He's he's pretty well respected. Last year was kind of a surprise when he got fired. Um, but so it's, presuming he lasts a year, then you could start talking about the quarterback change. And what what are your thoughts on Josh Rosen? Um, what were your thoughts during the draft, during the selection, and and have they changed at all now? Um, yeah. So during the draft, I was sitting there because my dad's a Dolphins fan and he was really wanting to get a quarterback. And I was like the whole time before the draft, I was like, maybe we get Lamar Jackson, like right. maybe he falls to us. And then we, we trade up for a quarterback, something we haven't been able to do because last year um, Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes were like two spots ahead of us. And the, the Texans and the chiefs traded up right in front of us and got them. That, that was devastating. Especially now, in hindsight, watching Patrick yeah. Mahomes, oh yeah, God. and um, and so we we go and we trade up for a quarterback, and so that was such a like, and I was so excited when we traded up because you know we finally got our young guy. We've been having these old quarterbacks, you know Palmer Warner, and then we had like Lindley and Skelton and Cobb there for a little bit, uh, which was terrible. But we finally got our own young guy that we, you know, that we can develop. The only reservation I'm having is that now we're now he's in an offense that's 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 basically put up zero points in my mind. Well, that, and it, that, when you guys were in the draft, you guys were kind of down. Did you did, were you scouting the kind of quarterbacks? Did you did you have a preference, or you just like I just want a guy, anyone to believe in? I, I that's how I felt. I I did really want Lamar Jackson. I really thought that he was like you know he was going to be something really new, 
and something really cool that the Cardinals haven't really done in a long, long time. So I did really like Lamar Jackson. And at the same time, I was like, Lamar Jackson is the only thing we're going to get. Cause I right. thought, you know, Browns are going to take someone jets are going to take someone giants. were going to, I thought they were going to take a quarterback for sure. And then when they didn't and the Broncos also didn't, I was like, Oh my God, like we could actually get someone really good here. And then we got Rosen. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm not an expert by any means, but Josh Rosen was, I thought the best quarterback in the draft. If I had to take anyone, I would have taken him number one. Um, I just, I watched him. I'm from LA. I see him a lot and he had some problems in the UCLA offense, but the UCLA offense wasn't the Oklahoma offense. I mean, they struggled and you could see him rise above and, and I didn't necessarily think he was Andrew Luck, but I thought he was smart enough. He had the requisite arm strength to be my comp would be like a Matt Ryan, like an above average starter who could be a playoff quarterback on the right team. And now that on the right team, is becoming a question mark because now I'm starting to get nervous because of the struggles of the Cardinals and whether he's ready for this and whether they're ready for him. Um, he's a guy who took a, a beating behind a bad UCLA line and he, he has a lot of similar traits to Bradford. I think he's known for his intelligence and his accuracy. Do you think there's anything that he could bring to the table that Bradford can't at this stage? Yes, I think what you what you said like he just has to be like a decent quarterback on a team on a team that's all we need we just need a decent ish quarterback or or so i thought cuz we we had the defense you know we were fourth in DVOA last year we had the defense to 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 make a run um so all we need is a quarterback who's like a little bit above average so if so right now Bradford's not doing that if if Rosen can just be you, you know be like you said like a Stafford or like a Matt Ryan or like something like that then like it's as good as as good as we need. Well, and, and it's interesting. It's always a philosophical debate. We had it with Buffalo last week. Does throwing a quarterback out there early before they're probably ready, does that ruin their confidence or are those like bumps and bruises something that they can learn from? And the, and the logic had always been that's bad for a quarterback. They'll get shell-shocked. David Carr on Houston was always the example. And then we saw recent examples like Jared Goff where it didn't really seem to affect him in year two. He took a pounding, everyone wrote him off, and then he bounced back by year two. So maybe that line of thinking is changing. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Goff had quite the team around him. Um, right. It certainly helps. He was, kind of, he was kind of more average, I feel like, unless I'm totally wrong about that. No, he, I mean, he was brutal in year one, and then Sean McVay came in year two and totally reinvented the wheel. Um, and then he, he it took a major step up. Um, the interesting thing I think from Steve Wilkes point of view is he's not a coach on the rocks, like Goff's coach, Jeff Fisher was, or Trubisky's coach, John Fox was Wilkes is going to be there for a few years. So yeah, theoretically he has the patience, but also the sort of the leash if things go badly to, to keep his job. So I don't know if that helps or hurts in terms of the Rosen timeline. I mean, I don't see Wilkes as really a problem just yet. You know, it's only the first two games. You know, I can I can definitively say Mike McCoy is terrible. Um, but Wilkes, <laughs> I, I, I don't know totally about Wilkes yet. Um, you know, his defense has not been good. I'm going to be honest. Like, the offense has been worse, but defense has not been good either. And he's a defensive, you know, he's a, he was a, a linebacker coach. Or was it the defensive coordinator? Uh, he was a defensive coordinator for one year only, yeah. 
Okay, and then he was the linebacker coach before that. I think the defensive backs, but similar, you know. He, oh, he defensive of, backs. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah but it's the oh. same kind of thing where he's kind of a late riser. It, it's definitely too early to tell on him. Mike McCoy, you could you could point to last year as maybe more of a question mark. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I must have had like a lapse in like my memory where I was like, oh, he was the head coach on the on the Chargers, and like they did okay, and then. Well, they definitely had a good passing game for a while. Yeah. I, mean, I think going back on Mike McCoy, like I remember he got a lot of press for kind of coaxing a playoff team out of Tim Tebow when they couldn't pass. And then um, Peyton Manning came and they had a lot of success. I think Mike McCoy got probably too much credit for that, but basically took that offense, that Peyton Manning offense to uh, then San Diego with him. And Philip Rivers had some good passing seasons. They kind of have a similar skill set. Um, they're very smart quarterbacks with limited arm strength, maybe, and they put up big numbers, and then eventually it ran stale there. Yeah, and in Denver, it didn't translate. Whatever magic, you know, Felix's bag of magic tricks, they left it there in with the Chargers. It didn't translate to Denver. Certainly hasn't translated to Arizona. I think he's um, got it figured out. I think that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that's he's happened. running an offense. I mean, I, well, we've certainly figured out. The fans have figured out what's going on because all he does is is runs up the middle with David Johnson for like two yards, then an incomplete pass, another like deeper incomplete pass, and then you punt. That's basically been his, his offense for these past two games. It's so hard to watch. So the bottom line, like the big question hanging, the big meatball question is when to play Rosen. So let's say you're Steve Wilkes. Yeah. And you, you go to the owner or the GM and you say, I want to fire Mike McCoy. And they say, no. Not until the end of the year. Yeah, like you, can, you can. You have the decision on quarterback. We'll let you have that. Okay. Do you throw him out week three versus Chicago, or do you wait? The buy is week nine. You could maybe wait for the buy in week nine, or do you wait all year, keep him on the shelf? Exactly. So I would wait until week ten. That is what I think would be good. What I think is, I don't. It's so tough because our front office is so like when they when they have coaches they keep them around you know they really trust in the coaches that they have so mccoy is probably going to be there for too long and wilkes is probably going to be um dedicated to bradford too so i think like reasonably barring you know bradford gets hurt that josh allen or josh rosen oh my god i can't believe i just did that that josh rosen would go in week 10 you know right after the bye i believe that is when we play the 49ers or is that week eight that they you play them in week eight, and then I, I didn't write down week ten, but I know your bye is week nine, and it is a good time to give them two weeks to prepare. So we, um, yeah, we you, play the Chiefs. Yeah. So would you think would that would your mindset change? Let's say, because um, that's eight weeks of football. Let's say you're one and six or zero oh and seven. I mean, can you stomach that? Can you wait that long still, or is that maybe a good thing that you don't mind wasting the season now? Oh, this season's dead in the water for sure. I'm looking two to three years now in the future. Um, that's why I don't want to throw Rose into the wolves just yet, you know, because we really got to think about our future now. We've got David Johnson locked up for three years. You know, we've got, I think, like $55 million in cap space next year that we can make some moves on or you know, try to get a high draft pick. We really can't be thinking about this year anymore. It's, it's, it's a gone year. Well, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, NFL teams don't tank like the NBA, but let's say you finish three and thirteen. That's that's not a worst case scenario. I think it's probably worse to be seven and nine. Um, you know, I don't know necessarily if there's anything in the draft that would change your prospects, but 
it doesn't hurt to have a high pick. Maybe you could trade down, pick up some more pieces. Um, so you're saying, I have you on record, you don't want to see Rosen yet, but week 10 is your target date you've circled on the calendar. Yeah, week 10 is definitely where I would want, I would feel comfortable with him in. That's And so your official predictions, week 10, we see Rosen, and then Mike McCoy gets fired at the end of the year. I mean, yeah, I, oh, I hope. Oh, my God. I mean, Wilkes just put out a statement saying, you know, his confidence level in Mike McCoy is he has total confidence. You know, that might be coach speak, but. Yeah, I mean, what else are you going to oh, say? God. <laughs> um, and it's interesting recording this podcast with you. I, I was nervous because we're recording on um, Monday afternoon, and I wasn't sure if there would be an announcement that Rosen was starting yet or by the time this is going to be posted, probably Tuesday morning. Um, but I think you have the right attitude. I, honestly, like, I don't think there's a rush. Josh Rosen is a guy who I was really high on, but he was only in college for three years. He's really young still. He has some kinks to work out. Um, I don't see a lot of benefit of rushing him for 14 weeks of the season. I think after week 10, he'll get, you know, six, seven games under his belt and, and go in with some positive momentum next year. Yeah, we play some really brutal defenses this year too. Like if we threw him in this week against the Bears, he's going to get decimated by Khalil Mack. And then he plays the Seahawks, um, Vikings week six, Broncos week seven. Yeah, that's yeah. Just a brutal stretch. Well, and also like looking for uh, looking ahead for Rosen, he, he has a history of concussions too. So it's definitely not something you want to mess around with aside from maybe shaking his confidence. Like I don't want my franchise quarterback coming out of his rookie year with multiple concussions. Um, and, you know, he has toughness has been debated. So I think you want to put him in the best situation to succeed. Exactly. That's why I want, like, you know, in the offseason and maybe the draft, you know, really stock up on O-line. Really, because I really want to protect Rosen for as long as possible because he really is, like, our last spark of hope for a while. Really and as soon – well, and that's the great thing about having that, like, sort of, you know, break in case a glass – like, something to look forward to because – as soon as he comes out and if, if he's a dud, then, then really you might as well burn the, the franchise down. Like there's no hope for the future. Yeah. It's um, over, <laughs> but you're sticking by him. Um, at least until next year, maybe let's see how Rosen does. I mean, he looked good in the preseason. He didn't really have a lot to work with. You know, he did the same thing as Bradford did a lot of just check down passes. Um, he made a lot of smart plays though. You know, he's a very intelligent guy. And I love how he has that Aaron Rodgers attitude of like, you know, I, I love the, the cockiness on him where he's like, you know, nine teams, nine teams made a mistake and whatever. And I, you know, a lot of people were put off by that, but I, I love that so much from him. No, totally. And, and I think a lot of, I read an article about this around the draft time. Teams were scared off by the fact that he talked back to coaches and he had input and he has ideas. And, and to me that shows some sort of insecurity on your part. If like your coach can't explain the offense, the quarterback's, desire then then it shows the coach is a little scared of his own decision making yeah Um, i think you want a quarterback who's going to weigh in and have ideas and i think that translates well i think he has a high football iq and a high real life iq i I would be scared if my quarterback just sits there with a blank look on his face and just does whatever you tell him to do oh yeah nick Foles called the philly special and and in the super bowl that's that's, those, those are the types of players that i want where like they can go to the coach and be like i want let's try this and the coach is like all right let's do it you know, I, yeah, I love absolutely. that kind of thing. That, that was one of the things that was highest on him. I mean, 
athletically, arm talent wise, it's there, but it was that sort of competitive mental edge that I thought put him ahead of, of some of the other quarterbacks. So I'm putting my money, my bet on him. I just don't want you guys to screw it up. So God, I hope we don't. Oh man. Yeah. Cause we're all going down. We're going down with the ship together. If it wasn't completely lost this past week, cause it's mm. this past week has been terrible. You know, we've been, you know, what's, what team's worse, the bills or the, or the Cardinals right now. It's, I, we're all really banking on Rosen right now because we don't want to be the worst. We've been the worst forever. <laughs> well, you haven't been the worst. You've been bad, but now you now you're in the spotlight. Now you're on the podcast. If you're on the podcast, either things are going well or going really badly. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so it's it's the wrong time. It's the wrong side of the coin. But I appreciate you coming on and talking about it from the Cardinals' perspective. And and I think we'll see. I mean, week ten. Come back on week 10. We'll see how he does in the debut. Oh, my God. I would would love to come back on week 10. (laughs) All right, dude. Pencil it in. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me be on. Take care. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening if you made it this far. And also, big thanks to our guests for coming on fencing coach and jake for talking about their teams um i thought they did a great job and it really goes to show you that contributors on reddit know what they're talking about uh, especially about their teams but in general and in contrast to a lot of national media experts or amateur experts like myself you know we watch like the red zone channel and games here and there we don't know as much about every snap about every team as the diehard fans do so that's what i really like about this podcast kind of getting it straight from the horse's mouth um and seeing what's going on to help us broaden our knowledge of the nfl um so thanks for listening hope we can do it again uh if you'd like to contribute or be interviewed if you have something to say or if you have nothing to say and you just have time to kill like i do let me know and maybe you can see you on next time bye